0: You're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. So uh, whether you're online online, or whether you're here in the house, do your best just to, to lean in a bit and uh, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, uh, because we believe that God has always got something to say to us, yes? Um, otherwise, we might as well just change this from a church and become kind of, some kind of club or a society. So we're here because we believe uh, God is alive and well and wants to change us and, and help us. I've, I have been told that my sermons are like the peace and mercy of God, uh, they're like the peace of God because they, uh, they pass all understanding, and they're like the mercy of God because they show every sign of enduring forever. Um, I have got to speak for round about an hour because that's how long the kids are out this morning. Something like I've been told by the children's pastor I'm allowed to talk for an hour this morning. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Look, we are in this series called Three in One. Three in One. It's called the Trinity series. And we started a couple of weeks ago, and and Rob Riddler uh, started us off with explaining a little bit about the the Trinity. And then he moved on to talk about the the Father. And I have a little uh, image here, which I mentioned last week, might be helpful uh, for us in understanding something about the Trinity. It doesn't do it justice by any stretch, but it certainly helped me over the years understand um, any link between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what we perceive from the Bible, from Scripture is this, that the Father is God, the, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. They are not three different gods. They are God, but they are not each other, and that is the mystery of God in three persons. God in three persons, the Trinity. And one of the things we have to learn to do as followers of Jesus is regularly embrace mystery. Sometimes you might just have to cope with it. Sometimes you might rush. You might be one of those people who rush into mystery and go, I just love nothing being certain. I'm not one of those. I live in a kind of state of perpetual frustration, moving from, I've got to cope with this or I've got to understand with this. But when we come to often the things of God which are outside our linear logical understanding, we have to learn in some shape or form to embrace mystery. One of the other things that has helped me, and I didn't do a slide for this, is in my language to try and pick up some of the common language from the Bible, and that is this: that when you talk about the Father, you, you talk about lots of things from the Father. Can you say from? "from"? From Father. When you talk about the Son, we talk about a lot of things done through the Son. Can you say "through". Spirit. And when we talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, talk about things done by the Holy Spirit. By. Can you say "by"? So even right at the beginning of the Bible, that wonderful story where we have God, the Father, who is the the source. Things are from Him and yet it tells us that He spoke. That's the Word. We looked last week when we were looking at the psalm that the Apostle John said in the beginning was the Word. and The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was talking about Jesus. Creation itself was from the Father, done through the word of the Son. But who? Who was hovering over creation? Who was hovering over the cosmos? Who were things done by the Holy Spirit? And you see those words cropping up, not every time, but whenever you read about aspects of the Trinity, you see those kind of words, from, through, and by. And actually, if any of you want to... Uh, Think about how how we even receive our salvation. That's an interesting way of looking at it. We are told that we are saved by the Spirit. Anyway, small group work for you if you want to. My job this morning is to convince you of the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And, And if I convince you from the Bible, of the personhood of the Holy Spirit, then for you to be willing to accept and receive the Holy Spirit. So, my two jobs, to convince you from the Bible that the Holy Spirit is a person and not a thing. And then, if you are convinced, for you to willingly, wholeheartedly, sincerely, Accept and receive the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? Good. In the the Gospel of uh, John, we read a, a little episode where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he starts off by saying this If you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Now, they're figuring out at this time, the disciples, that Jesus might be going somewhere. And he picks up on their uncertainty and their nervousness. And they must be thinking, well, how do we know your commands? How can we keep your commands? You've been helping us. We've been following you around all the time. So Jesus carries on. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I, Jesus, the Son, will ask The Father, and He will send you a helper to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Can I say that again? I, Jesus, the Son, will ask the Father to send you a helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. And the world will not know him because they cannot see him. But you will know him because he will be in you and with you. And then uh, in my mind with real emotion, he looks them each in the eye and he says, And I will not leave you as orphans. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you. You are the source of all that is good and righteous. Thank you for offering it to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Packaged somehow miraculously in human form is all your goodness, all your grace, all your righteousness. In a way that we can grasp and see. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. You loved, you lived, you died to save us. You rose again to offer us new life. And that life is offered us by the Holy Spirit who brings the very presence of God in this room today. So will you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to obey in your name. Everyone said Amen. My old youth pastor said to me, come forth and receive the Holy Spirit. But I came fifth and I won a toaster. Um, sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as some kind of reward or prize. Sometimes we can think, if we're, uh, if we're doing the Christian life well enough and if we grow our faith deep enough and take as much Uh, Logic and uh, clever thinking out of our brain and just open ourselves up to some kind of ethereal realm and if we submit ourselves enough, we might be rewarded with the Holy Spirit. As if the Holy Spirit is a kind of gift, like some kind of divinely inspired Bailey's bottle. Except it says the Holy Spirit on it. Now you might think, oh, you're belittling things. I'm making a real point here because sometimes our very language as believers, as Christians, and as church can demote the Holy Spirit from being God's the person into being a kind of prize or a reward. Uh, And we've got to be careful with that. We've also got to cut each other a lot of slack, I can think, uh, in conversations. Even this week I've had with someone when I look back and uh, and I sort of almost describe the Holy Spirit as an eight. And you slap yourself on the wrist. You say, "Rush, you've got to do better. And that's just because of learned language. But many of us, in order to learn new things, uh, if we're good learners, we've sometimes got to be unwilling to willing to uh, to learn that what we learned yesterday was wrong. Hello? If you're a true learner, you've got to be willing to learn that what you learned yesterday was wrong. and. And so some of my language, I've got to unlearn and, and pick up new language in order to, to best equip me to grasp all that God is. So I want us to, uh, to be able to view the Holy Spirit, not as a prize, not as a reward, not as an it, but as a person. And believe me, it makes all the difference. It might not make all the difference in your immediate experience. I believe, ultimately, it will make a difference in your experience. But it will make a difference in the way that you perceive what God is like and what God can get up to in, through, and with you. It makes all the difference. You see, for many people, the Holy Spirit is uh, an energy, a force, Something that emanates from God. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I went through a, a period of my life where I guess that's, that's what my language was like. That's what we wanted. We wanted the, the force and the energy from God. You know, you want all that kind of stuff. It's the energy that's like static that turns the hairs on your back of your neck up. And things happen in a meeting because, because the energy has arrived. Even our language. We have a church service. We're worshiping Father. We're singing songs about Jesus. But all of a sudden, pastors and preachers and leaders say, "Oh, the Holy Spirit has arrived. Can you feel it?" What? Where has He been? Has He been missing? The other two have been looking for Him. What's been going on? I mean, our language demotes the Holy Spirit to uh, to an energy that arrives in a room. And we've got to be careful about this. People like me have got to be really careful about this, that that, that's not the case. So, um, although many of you may be Star Wars fans and the Force is a fantastic idea, that is not what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, how do we know that? How do we know that? Well, you're in church, so you're not expecting me to go and get a pile of encyclopedias and prove to you that. My job is to turn to the Bible and show through the Bible why the Holy Spirit is a person and not a force, an energy, some kind of ethereal matter that just emanates from God and and makes things happen. So are you okay with that? We'll we'll try and do five or six of of these. And uh, and then I'm going to move on to the the passage that I quoted from earlier, John 14. We're just going to dig into that a little bit more and and see where we go from there. Here's, Here's the first thing. Jesus, at one point, talked about... We call it the Great Commission. But at one point in it, Jesus is talking about family. And he says to his disciples... Uh, And there might have been a hundred of them. It doesn't really say that there were just 12 there. He's talking to his disciples. And uh, he he says, go into all the world, make disciples. And then he says this, baptize them, these new disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, this this is worth taking note of. Jesus is describing the ultimate family here. The ultimate community. And and he's saying when disciples accept the truth, when they become born again as Jesus, the language Jesus used back in John chapter 3, they come into the family. And the family name they take, right? The family name they take is Father Son and the Holy Spirit. A couple of things that are interesting there. One, it's not Father and Son, and you get a dose if you're lucky of the gift that the Father and Son have called the Holy Spirit. It's not that. You are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice it's not names. You're not baptised in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like you'd be baptised in the names of Dan and Elena. Baptised in the name. This is one God, three persons. So there is something about the personhood of the Holy Spirit that, that has him in the family, this ultimate community of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It, it, it is never Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, The triangle I showed earlier, one of its failings is that it always has to be one way up or the other. No matter how much you rotate it. There is no one at the top. It's, it's the Godhead with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what's interesting in when you read through the Bible is, is when... The different persons of the Trinity are ushered to the front of the stage. And you can read passages where you go, do you know, it's like the Holy Spirit has been ushered to the front. This is the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit, front and center. Of course, when you read through the New Testament, it seems that the Father and the Holy Spirit always usher Jesus and say, there you are. He he is us in human flesh. He is God in human flesh. Okay, uh, very quickly, the second thing is this. When we say a benediction or a grace, we say these words, don't we? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you. It's actually from the Bible. Many people don't know they're quoting the Bible. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, So when you say a grace, you are quoting the Bible. Uh, And again, we have all three persons. And what does it say about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit brings you fellowship. It's not the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God and the ready bright glow of the Holy Spirit. No, it's not that. But the fellowship, this is personhood. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's a person. He is a person. Listen, did you hear that? It's, I said. <clears throat> I want you all to do that whenever you say it. Okay. We go. He's a person. Third thing. Understanding. No one knows the thoughts of God, says the Apostle Paul, except the Spirit of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit who is from God. That says something profound. In fact, there was a point when Jesus was fully human And living with us for those 33 years, where Jesus only accomplished what He accomplished, because He was in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and receiving the thoughts from Father, because the Holy Spirit was with Him. And you could, once you realise it, you can spot it all over. That actually, Jesus. Jesus embraced the Holy Spirit. We're told that after his baptism, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And then after he came out the wilderness, he was was full of the Holy Spirit. And and you can see this relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself once said, um, no one knows the hour of the return. Not even the Son. This Jesus speaking as fully human. Yet, here we're told, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit who is from God. Do you know, there are, there are truths and mysteries known by God the Father that the Holy Spirit knows in entirety and always has. And the Holy Spirit wants to be in fellowship with you. And that's why some of the deep wisdom and power of God and effectiveness of God can be with you. That's why we believe in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Fourth thing, authority. Just a little aside almost this, but when you read about the story of the early church, those embryonic Christians, when when church is figuring out what it's like, you have to go to the book of Acts. And and in Acts 13, um, you see the Holy Spirit arriving in a a church in Antioch. The Holy Spirit, a church in Antioch. And there's Saul and Barnabas. They're ripe to be sent on a mission trip. And note what the verse says here. Whilst they, people like you and I, were worshipping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Now, if you'd asked me and said, when did the Father called Barnabas and Saul, I would have told you it was then. If you'd asked me, when did Jesus call Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry, I would have said it was then. But the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I have for them. Isn't that Interesting. There is an an authority that the Holy Spirit has. Things don't have authority. It's don't have authority. Ethereal forces and energy don't have authority. People have authority. People have understanding. People are in family. Are Are you getting this? Throughout Scripture are these... Truths popping up that the Holy Spirit is a person. Fifth, status. Now this is an interesting one. Luke chapter 12. Jesus said to his followers, Everyone who speaks a word against me will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now you're all looking at me and going, tell us what it is, Russ. And I can't. I could give you my five top informed guesses after the meeting if you grab me quick enough, but I'm going to run. (laughs) That's not the point I'm making. The point is this. Look what Jesus said here. This is not Father, Son and, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is making a point here. Anyone who speaks against me, Jesus, God wrapped in human flesh, will be forgiven. Anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. There's an issue of status here. Jesus knew, believed, understood, recognized, embraced the Holy Spirit as God, as a person. Look, time is going. If you, if you want to do some more uh, things, trawling through the Bible and, and convincing yourself that the Holy Spirit is a person, then, then you could look for where the Holy Spirit is shown as having feelings. You know, the Holy Spirit can get hurt. The Holy Spirit can be sad. The Holy Spirit can be joyful. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. And more. And, and you can look for those in the Bible and think, you know, it's can't be grieved and hurt and feel sad and joyful. People feel grieved and sad and get hurt. And you could also look for the things that the Holy Spirit gets up to, the acts of the Holy Spirit. So look, I don't know whether I've done enough or not in that little trawl through. I'm not finished talking yet. Have they were just quick, <laughs> quick points. The Holy Spirit is a real person. The Holy Spirit is not God's courier. He's not, he's not the Amazon delivery service from the Godhead. Right? It's not it's not the Father and the Son wanting to bless humanity or wanting to bless the church or that group of Christians there or and and they're looking around and they're going, Oh, who shall we choose? There's the Holy Spirit. Let's deliver through the Holy Spirit today. And the Holy Spirit's there, thank you for the parcel. There <laughs> he comes, gives it to Sarah. Sarah goes, Oh, I've got a parking space. Um Sorry, that's not how it works. That's not how this works. The Holy Spirit is sent as a helper to abide with us forever. If anyone is the courier service, it's Sarah. Who receives something from the Holy Spirit. And couriers it to a person in need. A word of encouragement, a tongue, an interpretation, a prophecy, a healing, a miracle. If anyone is a courier service, it's you and me. It's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit abides with us. And if we keep our lives in the place where he abides, we will receive from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not about And prophecy and tingles and things like that. They they follow the Holy Spirit around. I've put on a certain whatever uh, fragrance this morning. I couldn't even tell you what it is. My wife bought it at Christmas. And and hopefully, as long as I've not sweated enough this morning, as I walk past you, you might go, oh, there's Russ. Interesting. When the Holy Spirit is with us and moves around, there's an aroma that goes with him. It's the goodness and the, the graciousness and the power and the authority and the fameliness of God and the status of God. And things happen and change. Right from the word go. And the Holy Spirit was nesting over the earth. And then poof, 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 things started to happen. There is, isn't there a? Uh, well, let me just just say this as well. Because I, think I, I did a picture, so we may as well say it. The Holy Spirit is not God's box of tricks, and and there are there are churches that are guilty. I think. Of representing the Holy Spirit as God's box of tricks. And even if not that, as God's toolbox. Whereby, oh, you'll need the Holy Spirit for this. Better get the biggest spanner out. And, and we want to, if we can, do away with that language. And embrace the fact that the Holy Spirit, along with the Son and the Father, make God... And maybe, uh, like me, some of you might want to get used to even praying in, in a Trinitarian way. I try to make a habit of it. Father, thank you for this. Jesus, thank you for this. Holy Spirit, thank you for this. And, and build it as part of your, your life. Uh, and so it rids you of, of an old way of speaking and therefore thinking and takes you into a new broader and I think more superior way of thinking about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 verse 16 to 18. Let's go back there. Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me you will obey my commands. I, the Son, Jesus, the one you know, God packaged in flesh, I will ask the Father and he will send Another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I, there's so much in this, this verse. Not only do we find in this verse uh, the proof from Jesus' own lips. Of Trinity. Not only do we see from Jesus' own lips how how they are family and how close they are, but we see something about how, how the world works now. You know, later in Scripture, we're told that Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's just a visual imagery, it's a metaphor for authority. And he is interceding, praying. With real heart. For us. Jesus is asking father. For good things. For you. And for me. And if we need proof of it. Here is Jesus saying it. I'm going but. I the son. Will ask the father. The resourcer. The source. The things who are. The the one who things are from, and he will, he will, not he might. If you're lucky, he will send you a helper. Not some kind of divine spanner that will get you out of that fix. He's not going to send you a tingle down your neck, he's going to send you a helper. The Spirit of truth, who will abide with you, be with you forever. How long? Forever. 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 It's like 12 o'clock or quarter to 12 or whenever we finish this this service. um, Does does the Holy Spirit leave us until we have the next bit where we can put on some nice music in the background and all sing together? No. He is with you forever. And then when you think about who is with me forever, stop thinking it's a force or an energy or some kind of thing. It is God who is with me forever. God as a person is with me forever. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit wrapped up and with me forever. Why are they with me? Why? To help me. I will send you a helper. Other words are wrapped up in there. A counselor, an advocate. You can read different translations. But, but the point is, they help you. Be who you're supposed to be. Some translations say that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, a counselor, and a an equipper. And certainly a bit later on, when, when Jesus has resurrected from the dead and he appears to his disciples and you read it in Acts chapter 1. He's at pains to say to his disciples, don't try and do anything clever yet. I, I know you want to go out and shine the light and be witnesses. I know you want to go out and, and evangelize and I, want you, I know you want to lay hands on the sick and pray for recovery. Don't do any of that yet. But wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he will cause you to be effective witnesses. Boy, do we need a helper. In fact, when we talk and use language which is perfectly right and say, can you sense Jesus here or did you know Jesus is in the room? The truth is the Holy Spirit is in the room. Bringing the presence of the Godhead here. It's magnificent. So, what do we do with this? Well, here's what I think we should do with this. I think, one, we recognize it as a truth. And you may be in that place, you may not be in that place. And if you recognize it as a truth, then we should accept and embrace it. What we are accepting and embracing is this. God, you are so great and so loving and kind that not only did you come as Jesus and live amongst us for 33 years, but right now you are present with me and you want to be in me. The Bible uses the word baptised. Jesus said to his disciples, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a a flooding in and out. It's like being in water and drinking the water at the same time. There's a flooding in and out. This is like baptism. Um, Not that we do that when we baptize people here. Okay, You wouldn't want to drink that water, believe me. But, But the Holy Spirit on you, around you, and in you be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then you can look through the New Testament, what the early church got up to, and, uh, and the apostles were very quick to come to any new believers and even ask the question, "Have, the, have these folk been baptized in the Holy Spirit?" And the report would go, "Oh no, no, we forgot that bit." We told them about Jesus and being born again, but we forgot that bit. And, and in one point, they send the bigwigs from Jerusalem, the big apostles, and they go rush into this place. And, and they pray that these people would receive the Holy Spirit fully into their lives. In other words, they to embrace the truth of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit was in there, they, they had the help and the effectiveness and the aroma. Of what the Holy Spirit is. I want more of that. I want the the presence of God to be more than just a knowledge here. That I can write down in six or seven points. And to be something here. Whether or not the stuff that surrounds the Holy Spirit happens. I want the Holy Spirit here. I want the helper. I want the one who abides with me to be here. Because I need that. I need that more than I need the stuff that goes with him. You with me? What about you? If if you just follow the tools, if you just follow the bag of tricks, you can miss the person. And Jesus seems to always talk about the person thanks for listening to this message from new life in north lincolnshire to find out more do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit we'd love to see you